Welcome to Sports Bites, your bite-sized podcast serving up the perfect blend of sports and food. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and in each episode, I'll look to tackle the latest sports buzz while including the tastiest bites. In this episode, I'm going to go over my top five college and pro games of the weekend and give you my give them a six or six picks to look forward to. This week in college football, there are four games involving two ranked teams. I have one big upset special. And if Thursday night had any preview on what this weekend has in store for us, like Les Miles once said, let it rip. Last night in Houston, West Virginia was there to play in the Dana Holgerson Bowl. Fighting for who is really trying to be the third best team in the Big 12 comes down to the final play. West Virginia up 39 to 35, and then it happened. Well, Donovan has still hit 15 in a row. Let's see if he can get to 16, Spencer. 15 pass completions in a row. This will be his last, and it's for the football game. If he can get it off. To the end zone. Tipped. And he caught it. Wow. Touchdown. Holy Toledo. Stefan Johnson does it again. Stephon Johnson, the Oklahoma State transfer from Donovan Smith, a walk-off Hail Mary. They tell you to knock it down. West Virginia tries to knock it down. It goes right into the hands of a waiting Houston Cougar. Houston wins 41-39, and Neil Brown was just beside himself for that game. But, yeah, like I said, if that has any indication on what this weekend's going to be, get ready for it. should be a lot of fun. Saturday, my number five game to watch is actually my upset special. And we're going to the beautiful mountains of Colorado Springs and the United States Air Force Academy at 5-0, and taking on a 5-1 and Wyoming team, coming off beating a really, really good Fresno State team last week. Now, here's what's crazy. The spread is Air Force by 11. And I know their ground game is amazing. I just, I don't see it. There's sometimes I don't understand Vegas. This is why I don't gamble a lot. I don't understand. Air Force, they're tied for 16th in the country with 38.8 points per game. Their defense is tied for 8th in points allowed at 12.2, but that age-old argument of they haven't played anyone is true for Air Force. They've beaten teams in front of them. You know, they've beaten the teams that they have on their schedule, so I can't fault them for that. But the teams that have been on their schedule are Robert Morris, Sam Houston, Utah State, San Jose State, San Diego State, a combined 4-16 record, and that's not counting Robert Morris being a Division II school. Now, the Falcons can run the ball, I call it. I, you know, I mean, we know Air Force can run the football. The option, they're dedicated, they're effective. You know, I, I remember when I was doing my show with Teddy Lehman and asking him, you know, outside of the normal, you know, talk about big names. I asked him, who was a school that was hard to play against, that you wouldn't think? And he didn't even waste any time. And he said Air Force because they're fundamental. Because they don't stop on the play like they play through the whistle. I mean, everything. He said that time when Oklahoma went up to the Air Force Academy in 2001, one of the toughest games he ever played. Zach Lair, the Youngstown, Ohio senior, leads the offense. He's only thrown the ball 19 times all year, but for 410 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Now he also averages 5.8 yards of carry on the ground. Emmanuel Michael, he's their leading ground gainer, 400 yards, eight touchdowns. The Falcons have five guys, okay, that run the ball on average over five yards a carry. And that's not bad. But I think this is the best team that they're going to face all year. Again, Wyoming coming off shutting down a really good Fresno State offense last week. They won 24 to 19. Wyoming's lone loss 
came to the hands of, at the time, a undefeated Texas Longhorn team. Andrew Peasley leaves the Cowboy offense with his main targets, Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Wyland, Air, um, Ayer Asante, and tight end Trayton Welch. And that trio has caught all but three of Peasley's nine touchdowns this year. Peasley's good with his legs. The Cowboys' ground game is led by Harrison Whaley. And I just, I don't understand Vegas a lot of the time. I said that before. And it's games like this are the reason Wyoming, you know, why I just don't understand. Wyoming has beaten Texas Tech, App State, Fresno State, and they were tied 10-10 with Texas at Darrell K. Royal Stadium in the third quarter before Texas, you know, scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. I think they played better competition, and this 11-point spread is crazy, which means Vegas knows something, but I just think, I think Wyoming's a better football team. That's why it is my special, upset special lock to win outright. So mark it down. Wyoming is going to beat Air Force. My number four game, the Pac-12. You know, they just keep spurring out these top 25 matchups. And again, it's Oregon State. Number 18, UCLA at Oregon State up in Corvallis. I'm still not sold on the Beavers. They run the ball. Well, yes. I still don't trust DJ Uyunglele to make the right decisions late in the game. This is essentially, I think, an elimination game for the Pac-12 title with the matchups, you know, to close out the season in this conference. I think teams are going to start to cannibalize themselves. It's a night game in Corvallis. And I think this will most, this will be the most skilled offense the Beavers have seen since they lost to Washington State. You know, Oregon State is ranked 34th in points allowed at 19.4 points per game. The ground attack really special with Damian Martinez. He can chew up the field. They got a special weapon in Silas Bolden. I like what they could do with him, bringing him in motion, jet sweeps, pop passes, stuff like that. But I, I can't get away from the quarterback play. And, and that's not to say that UCLA is far superior in that department. I mean, they're playing a true freshman, Detroit native Deontay Moore. And Moore looked good early at, you know, in early season action, but he's finding much less success here in conference play with more interceptions and touchdowns. And he's only completing 53% of his passes. And in today's aerial assault game, it's not going to cut it. The defensive side of the ball is where UCLA is getting better. They're tied for eighth in the country at points allowed. Alex Johnson leads their secondary with three interceptions. Bill McCover, the defensive coordinator, will get after DJ and make him uncomfortable. Keep an eye out for uh, Leotu Lafu and Darius Masua in that front seven to cause some problems. The line is Oregon State by three and a half. With an over of fifty four point five, so I just I I'll tell you my pick at you know at the end of this episode, but I'm, again I'm just I'm not sold. I'm not sold on Oregon State. My number three game, you swing all the way to the Eastern Seaboard for an ACC matchup, and it would have been a matchup of undefeated teams if Mario Cristobal wouldn't have choked that one away for the Miami Hurricanes last week. The Ford one twenty fifth ranked Canes travel Chapel Hill to take on number twelve Drake May in the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, Carolina last week, they got the great news that wide receiver Tez Walker was immediately eligible to play last week against Syracuse. You know, 43 yards receiving, but they had a lot of offseason time. Drake May talked about that they were able to you know, really get in a rhythm in offseason. Didn't have a lot of time prepping for the Syracuse game. Ended up with 43 yards receiving, but a very, very talented weapon. Now has another week of preparation time. You know, May's playing exceptionally well. 1,629 yards through the air, eight touchdowns. He'd like to cut down on the four interceptions he has now, but with Walker, Nate McCollum, J.J. Jones, Kobe Pesor, you know, May has a plethora of weapons at his disposal. 
And if they can get Amari and Hampton going on the ground, it'll open up for Bay through the air. Now, for the Hurricanes, I think this game is about coming back from that gut punch. How does the team respond? How does Mario Cristobal respond with putting his team in the position to fail like that? And, and look, I know execution, you have to execute. I get it. But the game was over. Just kneel and you're done. Tyler Van Dyke, you know, him and Drake May, they're really effective quarterbacks. You know, they're both productive, but both teams have solid defense. But I think the key to this to watch is when North Carolina has the ball, they're exceptionally well on third downs because with a good ground attack and again, wide receivers, they keep it, you know, ahead of schedule, like they always talk about, getting ahead of the chains. They're second in the nation in third down conversion at 56.6%. That keeps drives going. That wears down defenses. That opens up holes for expensive, for explosive plays. I like North Carolina in this game. The line is North Carolina by three with an over of 57. It's going to be a lot of fun that one. My number two game of the weekend. I know a lot of people for the first time are going to be pulling for one of the teams. It's the rivalry game. USC, Notre Dame. The 10th ranked Trojans head to South Bend to take on the number 21 fighting Irish. And it's Notre Dame's fourth game in a row against a ranked, undefeated team. USC, of course, you know, they're coming off that embarrassing win in triple overtime. And it's hard to say embarrassing win. You're still undefeated. But it's embarrassing when everyone, you have a championship caliber quarterback, a championship caliber offense. But your defense, you were down 17 points to Arizona. You had to have miraculous plays to come back and win in triple overtime against Arizona 43-41. Now, Notre Dame, you know, they took some lumps as well last week, but they lost to a really game Louisville team, 33-20. The thing that Louisville did that USC can't do is play defense because the Cardinals pressured Sam Hartman all night and had the worst game in his Notre Dame tenure. They shut down Audric Estime, but the Grinch defense will not do that. And look, Caleb Williams is generational. There's no denying that. But I wonder if he really wanted to win a championship. If he's looking the way that Oklahoma's defense is playing now, if he regrets it. You know, and I don't, we can play the what if game. I like what my team has with Dylan Gabriel and what they're doing, but I wonder if he thinks about it. This will also be the best defense Caleb has seen all year. And I, I'd say it's something similar to what he saw last year at Utah. Utah beat him twice. You know, Caleb, 22 touchdowns this year. It's under the lights in front of touchdown Jesus, a slew of football fans hoping to see them fall. And I think a lot of it is because of how Lincoln Riley left. And everything, and you know, slinking through the shadows, putting pictures of that horribly dried out brisket on the internet. I think this will be the first of at least one, if not two, more losses on the year for USC. I think Notre Dame gets it done. And here's the question: Is it too late though for Lincoln Riley? I mean, he's going to keep getting talent. I, I understand that, but is that going to spell the end for? For Alex Grinch, if he can't get this, I mean, last year they lose the Cotton Bowl to Tulane. What if they don't go to New Year's Six Bowl this year? They still have to play Oregon. They still have to play Washington. They might not even make the Pac-12 championship. A lot. I mean, Alex Grinch could end up losing his job. It'd be crazy. Number one game, must-see of the weekend. Back to the Pac-12. A Heisman candidate showdown. Game day is going to be there. Number eight, Oregon, takes on number seven, Washington. Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, all his motivational speeches, the multiverse of Oregon uniforms. Last year, a great matchup. Penix threw for 408 yards and two touchdowns with an interception. 
Bo Nix played exceptionally well. 280 yards, two touchdowns, but two scores for Washington late in the game in the final three minutes and seven seconds led to Washington getting out of Autzen Stadium with a 37-34 victory. Now, Dan Lanning, who, of course, we know how he likes to talk, he was asked about, is revenge a part of it? When it comes to motivating our team, how much do you lean into last year's game, revenge, all that, or is that, is that behind you at this point? Yeah, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, I think every one of our players know exactly what this game means uh, to them, um, you know, personally in that room, and then, you know, also just to everybody that, uh, you know, that's a Duck fan. And uh, they want to win. When they when they step, uh, step on the field, it really doesn't matter who we're playing. They, they want to go out there and they want to go compete at a high level. So he says the right thing again. And I get it, you want to motivate your team. But how much you want to bet before they go out on the field, Dan Landing says something, hey, they got you last year in our house, let's get them, you know. He's going to do so, yeah, right. Now here's the problem, you know, close game like that. Oregon's having some kicking issues. Camden Lewis having some misses lately. The game, I think, comes down to quarterback play and what defense can give that offense one or two breaks. Now Washington, I like their defense. The team has played in games where they've been up 14 to nothing before their offense has even stepped on the field. So the Ducks are going to have their hands full. Bo Nix, he's in his 11th year of eligibility in college football. You know, feels the loss last year, kept Oregon out of the playoffs. And another loss to the Huskies might do the same thing. Could this lead to Nix playing tight, losing focus of things? Stuff, you know, Auburn fans said a lot of that when he was here. The wide receiver battle is going to be fun to watch between Washington's Rome Adunes and Oregon's Troy Franklin. Bunch of 6-3 go-getters on the outside. I like it. I like the Huskies' defense a little more in this game. And I think that being at home will be the deciding factor. The line Washington minus three, the over six to seven and a half or 67. I like Washington in this game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, my guys are, you know, they're out. They're on bye week this weekend. So, um, I'm actually heading to Atlanta this weekend. I'm going to be going down on Saturday. I'm going to record the games to watch, but my wife and I are going down on Saturday. We're going to go to the aquarium. Uh, we're going out to a really nice dinner Saturday night, and then Sunday, we're going to the Commander's Falcons. I'm excited. Going to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium, try all the food. I'm going to have some content for you guys from there. But my look at the NFL, like I said, this week, I'm going to be in attendance for the Commander's Falcons game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's going to be my first time there. I think Washington looking for some redemption after being completely embarrassed last Thursday night by the Bears in that 40-20 to beatdown. The defense is going to look to try to bottle up Bijan Robinson, which, again, I know it pains me to say, but I always respect greatness. One of the best running backs I've I, I watched at Texas. I love this guy. I love what he's doing at Atlanta. Right now, he's my front runner for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Again, easier said than done. But this is the part right now, Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, I think, need to try to keep their jobs. You've got so much talent in that front seven. I think the, the secondary needs help. Forbes got benched, you know, and people get bit. He, he, he looks kind of lost at times. But what I'm seeing, watch, I just, I, I wonder if Jack Del Rio cannot relate to his players. Because Eric Bieniemy's come in, and I don't care. People can say what they want. Watch this Kansas City Chiefs offense. It's different now that Eric Bieniemy's not there. It's different. They played a bad Denver team on Thursday night. And looked anemic at times. Washington, on the other hand, has played some really good offense other than the Bills game. They waited too long to get going in the Bears game. 
But I think the enemy has done a good job coming in, relating to the players, Terry McLaurin, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, all those guys. I just, I wonder if Del Rio and Rivera can't relate to those players. I need to see some change in the defense. They've started slow in every single game. The only game they didn't, I take that back. The only game they didn't start slow was Philadelphia up in Philly. That game went into overtime. That was probably their most complete game from beginning to end against a very, very good football team. The line is Atlanta by two and a half to over 42 and a half. Uh, I'll tell you my pick on that. I, I like Washington to bounce back. I think the offense is a little bit better. I think Sam Howell is a little bit better than Desmond Ritter. Kyle Pitts, I wish Kyle Pitts was playing for Washington. You know, nothing against Logan Thomas. I just would love Kyle Pitts to be in there with McLaurin and Dotson and Curtis Samuel and those guys. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Big matchup, 3-1 Lions, a 3-1 Bucks. Flex to the 325 spot in what should be a fun matchup. Detroit has rebounded since that loss to Seattle and is playing really good football on both sides of the ball. Tampa's still working on getting that ground game going to help Baker Mayfield. They rank 25th in the league, averaging 87 yards per game. It's not good. Defensively, they're playing really good. Top 10 defense and points allowed, giving up only 17 points per game. Todd Bowles came out, said Mike Evans and safety Ryan Neal are a full goal on Sunday, and Neal's going to be needed. He's got to try and slow down Jared Goff in this offense. And, you know, I, I love, I'm a huge fan of Amon Ross St. Brown. I think he's an amazing talent wide receiver. They rank fourth in points with 29.6 points per game. They're putting up a lot of points. Their defense, Aiden Hutchinson, showing why they took him so high in the draft, leading the team with four and a half sacks. Supposed to be 79, sunny at the old sombrero. Baker Mayfield getting out there. He had last weekend off. He was down at the OU Texas game, shooting the cannon, talking a little smack to uh, what's old patchouli stink boy, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. You lost. Baker, the only guy on that show, pick Oklahoma and Louisville to win. Good for Baker. Had the weekend off. But he's getting back to it. Mike Evans, he's got to be healthy. They've got to get that running game going, kind of help Baker out. But again, Detroit playing really, really good football right now. Another game I'm interested in, five and affiliate to two and three Jets. I know it seems like a mismatch, but I want to see how the Jets defense plans to take on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. The Eagles' big three of Hurts, DeAndre Swift, and A.J. Brown are forcing teams to cover the entire field. When that happens, somebody's going to be put at a disadvantage. When Jalen can take advantage with the legs. DeAndre Swift, he, he could do it, I mean, in a multitude of ways. Catching out of the backfield, runs, draw, everything. And A.J. Brown is just a freak of nature. Now, for the Jets to win, they have history against them. They have the longest losing streak in the history of the NFL for a matchup with another opponent. How long? They're Owen forever. 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 They are Owen 12 all time against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's terrible. Zach Wilson has to be better with the football, not turn it over so much. Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson need to spearhead this offense while CJ Mosley and Quinnen Williams. Need to cause havoc for that defense. The line is Philly by six. You know, I, it depends on what Zach Wilson you get. You know, I, and I want to see this Philly offense against the Jets defense. I think it's a really good matchup. I would probably think the Jets keep it closer. You know, maybe it's a field goal game. The over 41, you probably stay under that. You know, like a 20, 
2017 game, 2014 game, something like that. I don't know. That, that one will be interesting to watch. Seahawks and the Bengals intrigues me due to the way that the Bengals played last week. See if Joe Burrow is back to being Joe Burrow. Last week, Joey Cool hit Jamar Chase for three touchdowns. Joe Mixon carried the rock for a, for 81 yards. Chase had a stat stuffer day, 15 catches, 192 yards, plus those three tugs. Seattle won three in a row since dropping that opening game to the Rams. The last time out, they routed the Giants 24-3. Geno Smith does a good job taking care of the ball. Putting the Seahawks into good positions with DK Metcalf and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I love the aerial attack in this game. DK Metcalf should play, but it's questionable. Cincinnati has started to play better. And maybe that's because Burrow's calf is healing and he can do more of what he's known to do. It's going to be a good test against a decent Seattle defense. The line is Cincinnati minus three with an over 45. I think I like the over in this game a lot more than the line, but I would probably take Cincinnati at home, giving the three points. Monday night football, my final spotlight football game of this weekend. The Cowboys look to bounce back after being embarrassed at the hands of the 49ers. My boy George Kittle racking up three touchdowns, racking up $13,000 of fines because he had the shirt that said blank, ta- uh, blank the Cowboys on it, which I'm okay with that. Dallas 3 and 2, they're going to travel to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. You know, and both their, both their losses are bad, but for different reasons. If you look at it for the Cowboys, they lost to a mediocre Cardinals team, and then they got their lunch money took in primetime. That defense and the offense looked overmatched against the 49ers. What was billed to be this preview of what was going to be the NFC Championship game looks nothing like the sort. Dak needs to separate from all the criticism and prove to Cowboy fans in the NFL that he is or isn't a marquee quarterback. You know, but at this point, I think we know, right? Tony Pollard leads the team in Russia, and of course, CeeDee Lamb's the main target, but the aerial attack is suffering with only five passing touchdowns. As for the defense, man, Micah Parsons is ridiculous. He's amazing. But is that it? Is that all they have? The defense will have the task of trying to stop Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert. And the bad thing about the Chargers, I don't like their coach. I think Brandon Staley puts them in bad positions, you know, trying to be aggressive on some fourth down calls. You know, I know you got to execute again, but you got to know when, when to run those. Okay. And I think he's done a bad job at times, really putting his team in a bad position. I love the defense. The linebacking group led by Kenneth Murray Jr., Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, and Eric Kendrick, that defense need to step up more because they rank 24th in the entire NFL, allowing 26 points a game. The line is Dallas by two with the over 51. I'd probably take the over in this one just because I think both teams are going to score. And it's hard to tell what. You look at minus two, and I would probably take, I'd probably take the, um, I take the Cowboys giving the two. I probably will. That's what I and I hate saying. I hate saying. But that's a look at my top five most intriguing NFL games. Now it's time for my give them a sixer, six picks. Here's the snap. Look, swing play to Payne. He's looking to the ten. Cuts outside. Five touchdown. Give him a sixer, Brian Payne. Peyton Gavris looking for a pass down the far side. Caught touchdown! Corbin Cleveland, give him a sixer! 
Yes, give him a sixer. It's time. My number one, my upset special, I'm taking Wyoming straight up to beat Air Force. Number two, I like UCLA plus a three and a half over Oregon State. Number three, I like the over 60 and a half with USC and Notre Dame. I do like Notre Dame to win that game outright. I like North Carolina minus three over Miami. Number five, I like the over 67 with Oregon and Washington. Uh, and in the NFL, I like Washington getting plus two and a half over the Atlanta Falcons. So that's my give them a sixer, six picks of games for this weekend. And now, like I mentioned, I'm heading to Atlanta. I'm excited because, you know, I hear nothing but greatness about Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you know, the seating, the food. You know, I, I dropped an episode today already with Greg Christian, the uh, CEO, the founder of the stadiumreviews.com. We talked a little bit about that. I'm going to shoot some content while I'm out there. But now it's time to talk a little bit about that Mercedes-Benz Stadium food. Ah, welcome to Atlanta, baby. Here we go. Looking at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, one of the only places in the world on a Sunday you can get some Chick-fil-A. Know that. But we've all heard about the great prices. Arthur Blank's doing a great job making sure that it's family-friendly. We've seen the tray of food for $20 that you can get. It's a lot of food. We've got classic beer everywhere, Bud and Burgers, Atlanta Fanfare, hot dogs, nachos, cheese dogs, pretzels, Shop Top Brats, get Shop Top Beer, Chick-fil-A, Atlanta Pretzel Company. And it's not just that. There's some really good food that I'm looking for. Atlanta Barbecue, Pulled Pork Sandwiches, Brisket Sandwiches, The Mac Shack, serving up a wide range of mac and cheese dishes with pork, chicken, vegan, and short ribs, fresh mechs, nachos, tacos, all that good stuff. The Meatless Grill, if that's your choice. Molly B's, I'm going to hit Molly B's up. A New England lobster roll or a shrimp po' boy? I'm having one of those. Stay tuned. I'm going to do a food review on one of those on the YouTube channel. Can you go to at Sports Bites Podcast on YouTube? Check us out there. Mo Southwest Grill. No big deal. We get that all the time. The Lies Chicken Sausage Stand. Okay. I'm good. Sausage, onions, peppers, cheese, mayo, more on a hoagie roll. Georgia's local craft beer scene. I like it. Hops and chops. Serving up a sirloin, a sirloin steak sandwich. Yes, please. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Now, the one that I've been really intrigued about, the Kevin Gillespie's Game Changer. The closed on Sunday fried chicken sandwich is supposed to be out of this world. Google it again. Kevin Gillespie's Game Changer closed on Sunday fried chicken sandwich. Just take a look at it. Or better yet, just wait till I get back on Monday. You'll see some pictures in the review I do of the Capital Crest Pizza. Good stuff. Authentic Italian pizza enjoyed during the game. Terrapin Brewing neighborhood bar. They've got some desserts. King of Pops ice cream. Brewster's ice cream. If you're in the South, you've had Brewster's. You know how good it is. Dippin' Dots. Misty's popcorn and pralines. Gourmet popcorn. I love it. We're heading down to see the Dirty Birds and the Commanders. Going to have a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm going to shoot some content. Going to do some food reviews. I think we're going to a place Sunday morning called the Atlanta Breakfast Club for breakfast. Going to uh, Creasy tomorrow night for dinner. 
nice Italian place. They got some cacio e pepe, a nice uh, artisan cheese board. So it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the weekend. I always love when me and my wife have a chance to get out, take these little weekend trips. But we had to get this uh, episode cut. It's going to be a lot of fun. Get to see my team play. I hope they look a lot better than they did on Thursday night. But thank you for tuning in to another delicious episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food. Hope you savor the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouthwatering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember, always positively move forward.